It's Monday, August 3rd. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, A Time to Be More Fearless, we talk to two poets and writers, Shole Wolpe and Natalie Handel. How does writing about diaspora and culture and dislocation intersect with our current crisis? What kinds of ways can poetry help us break down borders? What role does diversity play in reshaping the literary canon? All that is ahead on The Pen Pod. Iranian-American poet Shole Wolpe has spent her career exploring place and identity, Iran and the world, culture and gender. She's received awards honoring her work from institutions around the world, and her plays and performances have riveted audiences at a litany of festivals. Wolpe also serves on the Los Angeles Committee of Pan America. Natalie Handel's seven award-winning poetry collections explored the complexities of migration. Her latest Life in a Country album is a finalist for the Palestine Book Award, lauded as one of the most diverse writers today. She's also the editor of The Poetry of Arab Women, a contemporary anthology, one of the top 10 feminist books rated by The Guardian. Shole Wolpe and Natalie Handel both join me now. I'm so excited. Welcome to you both. Oh, wonderful to be with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. No, pleasure is totally mine. Um, Shole, I'd love to begin with you. Your, your poetry has played such a key role in exploring Iran and the Iranian diaspora. And, and I wonder if at this moment of lockdown and global distrust, what role do you feel literature can play in, in keeping us connected? Well, um, I've always believed that uh, literature and the arts are bridge makers. They build bridges between people and cultures. Now, while politicians who are divisive inflame our tendency to be afraid of the other, quote unquote, other, I think literature helps us see that humanity is indeed diverse, but that this um, diversity is something that is to be celebrated and not used as a weapon to bring us all down. Um, Attar, the 12th century Iranian Sufi mystic poet whose work, The Conference of the Birds, I translated, takes us through um, seven valleys that the soul and in this case, in the story, the birds, traverse in order uh, to reach the great beloved. Now, the beloved can be God, Dios, the universe, whatever you want to call it. In the Valley of Unity, he says, and I quote, When many are united in the one forever, then all inside the one is a perfection. That is not a place for uniformity here you find unity in diversity. Unity in diversity. That is an important concept. Now that we're all in this situation together, this um, global threat, this pandemic, perhaps we can ponder and appreciate our similarities as well as differences. Those of us who, who uh, were those people who right now live in the same or have lived always in the same country all their lives can now ponder the idea of exile within their own lives. Mm. We cannot live <laughs> as we did before. We cannot visit, you cannot visit your parents, your friends, 
those you love may be dying and you can't even go to their funeral. In many ways, this is how a person in exile feels all the time. And when you pick up a book and read about it, perhaps now you can say, yes, I know how that feels. At the same time, we have demonstrations all over the country, demand for justice. Black Lives Matter is an important movement. It is almost um, like a revolution, except that no one wants to overthrow the government. The demand is for justice, for equality, for accepting and celebrating diversity. And yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, we had Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who stood up for the rights of women. On the floor of Congress, she gave an unprecedented speech calling out the, for the, you know, the, calling out the regular abuse of women, even by uh, congressmen, in this case, uh, Ted Yoho, and demanding a change. This is um, not different from uh, you know, what minorities demand. What we want is mutual respect and understanding, in other words, in other words, unity in diversity. I belong to many minorities, me personally. I am a person of color. I'm a woman. I'm an immigrant. These in me cannot be separated. They make me who I am. And that is to be celebrated just as a white woman with Irish ancestry from Alabama should be celebrated. I rather not focus on our differences nor on our commonality. No, I rather see us for who we are by accident or by providence and celebrate it. Yeah. Natalie, I mean, I'm wondering that idea of unity and in, in diversity. You, you and Cholet were in conversation as part of the Red Hen Press Poetry Hour, and you read a poem called Voyages, which which has a lot of these themes of togetherness. I mean, how, how did you come to that poem? And, and of course, feel free to react to, to Cholet's um, comments as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking that. Um, my residence is the sky. I mean, I spent the last 30 years flying every week mm. somewhere, giving readings or workshopping, living between multiple cities. Then suddenly, like the rest of the world, I found myself confined and as a New Yorker, uh, quarantined in a very small apartment and worse, unable to reach those I love, even in their darkest hours. I lost friends during COVID. I lost my brother-in-law. Uh, I found myself asking, how, how do I voyage with my heart in these hours? Uh, because I'm unable to reach those I love? How do we nourish togetherness? So I went to the page, which has always guided me. And that's how I came to write this, this poem. And soon after I finished the poem, I received an email from Alice Quinn, inviting me along with 100 American poets to contribute to the Knopf anthology together in a sudden strangeness. And, you know, that those moments, it reinforces my notion that poetry weaves our aches and our awes. Uh, so that's how I came to that poem. But I, I have to also say that as a Palestinian, and as someone from Bethlehem who, uh, whose sister city is Jerusalem, seven minutes away, uh, but cannot reach, 
I, I've understood this confinement for Palestinians understand this confinement under occupation. And perhaps this experience can also ga- give a, a better gaze at what it feels like not to have the freedom, us being stripped of our own freedom. So I think it's a, an important, it could be a very vital moment in understanding uh, what others experience. Uh, as Shirley mentioned, those in exile and the refugees and, and, and others in war-torn places. It seems like empathy is is the key and the thing that we can hope for to come from this moment. I'm Shalay, I mean, you know, how how has your process or approach to writing been impacted by the lockdowns and, of course, all that's happening, you know, in in, in this country and in the world? Um, well, you know, in the past ten years, I've been traveling a great deal, you know, from Bali to India to Spain to China, etc. I had just returned from Jaipur Literature Festival in India when the lockdown began. So staying in for the past five months and going into many more, I think, unforeseeable months is a shock, to say the least, to my system. But uh, I'm in the process of writing a screenplay right now, and I'm getting ready to begin work as UCI's new writer-in-residence. So I've had plenty of work to keep me busy at home. Still, I think like many others, I've, uh, you know, I've had my ups and I've had my downs. I'm a people person. I like to touch people. I like to hug. And the Mm -hmm. only human contact I've had these past months has been my husband, which is great. I'm grateful I have it. (laughs) But I, I miss the energy that comes from touching and being in the proximity of other human beings. You know, my mother always used to say, um, we don't appreciate things until it's taken away from you. And the absence of something you love and know is more palpable than when you have never known it. But to go back to your point, perhaps this is a good time for all of us to ponder that. Uh, We are all human and we need one another. Our diversity be it uh, cultural, racial, lingual, whatever, is beautiful. And this is the time, I think, in our isolation to take a deep look within and come to terms with the fact that just (laughs) as bland food is boring, human sameness is also tedious. And to begin to celebrate and cherish our human diversity. Natalie, how do you respond to that? I mean, do you do you find, you know, that this moment is informing your work in a similar way? Um, and, and I'm wondering how it's how, how you reflect on that. Yeah, you know, as a poet, I think poetry sees us. It hums what's in our hearts. We've we've always uh, we have always gone and turned to poetry in times of crisis. Uh, mm. And uh, I can think of recent history, 9-11, during the Arab Spring in Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, you know, alongside the cries of freedom were lines of poetry, you know, demonstrating that poetry has a real world power, uh, that poetry, remind, it reminds us that we will survive, we, we, we will live. And I think that's the power that poetry has always had. So I've always had that. 
in the in when COVID just started, I was basically paralyzed. I think many of us were uh, we just uh, what is going on, unable to do anything, unable to write. And slowly I went back to the page, which has always been there for me, which I know it is the place where I'm going to find uh, stillness and, and quietness and uh, be able to survive what is coming ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Shalei, you mentioned your UCI residency that's upcoming. Uh, obviously, you teach and have taught for, for many years. You know, what kinds of instruction do you give to students right now? <laughs> well, you know, the teaching, uh, teaching has its mechanics. There are subjects and books one must uh, cover. Uh, for me to talk about you know, that's setting right now. It, it, everything seems so irrelevant. What I wanted to, what I want to say is, uh, about that is that the core, um, of my teaching philosophy is, and has always been to, whether it's during this time or before is to impart to my students fearlessness and to maintain, I suppose, a state of um, <clears throat> constant alertness and resisting lies, lies such as borders, for example. Also, uh, fearlessness in reading, in expression, in writing. For the women I teach, um, I'd like them to be inspired to be more eloquent, intelligent, and as inspiring as Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, last <laughs> night her speech was on the floor of the Congress was, I mean, it was truly electrifying. I'd like for the men in my class to, to learn to be not afraid of being moral and decent in their behavior towards women and other human beings. I think the poisonous fumes of this supposed masculinity, which is really the opposite of being a true human being, is something that is imposed on our boys by our society from the time they are children. And I hope that literature, encouragement, and instruction can undo some of this harm. And I think women will have to play a larger role in helping those who have fallen victim to it, both men and women. So going into a university and teaching literature, I think we're not just teaching, um, not just teaching them books and certain literature, but also how to be um, influenced but by what they read to become more fearless. Natalie, what, what do you think? I mean, what, what is your guidance right now to say, to say young writers or, or writers that you're mentoring? It's what it, um, what it's always is, which is that doubt is one of the best offerings we have been given. It fuels our quest that the best teacher is the room, practicing silence, reading, writing, being disciplined, and that even under COVID, the struggle continues and um, writing must continue. 
Natalie, just staying with you, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm I'm reading three books actually. I'm, I'm working. I'm reading uh, the poet Kiki Dibula, who's a Greek poet uh, who just passed away during COVID, and it's a selected poems entitled "The Brazen Plagiarist," uh, translated by Cecile Margellis. I'm also reading "Every Fire You Tend" by Sima Kaigusuz, translated by Nicholas. Um, Glastonbury. She she's a Turkish writer, and uh, Jeffrey Yang's, um, who translated "City Gate Open Up" by Beidou. Sholay, how about you? What are you reading right now? Um, I I'm also reading a few books, and uh, I I I've always done that, <laughs> I, but I keep them like separate. I do a fiction, a poetry, a nonfiction. <laughs> And they're scattered all over. Uh, fiction, I'm, I'm about to finish A Burning by Indian novelist uh, Mera Majumdar. Uh, it's fantastic. And it's about, um, it's, it's so good. It's about prejudice and living in the, in the uh, div- uh, diverse society that is India, Muslims, Hindus, different castes. It's, it's lovely. It's, it's a really powerful novel. And I believe it's her first novel. Poetry, <clears throat> I'm rereading Iraqi poet Dunya Mikhail's The War works hard. I picked it up uh, the other day again. And, you know, I'm going back to some of those powerful poems. And um, for nonfiction, uh, I'm reading Choice Words, Writers on Abortion, edited by Annie Finch. And uh, that was put out by Haymarket Books. It's uh, uh, it's uh, I have a piece in that uh, anthology. That's why I have it on my bedside now. And I'm enjoying reading these amazing women writers write about this very, very difficult subject, abortion. Well, Sholay Wolpe, Natalie Handel, thank you both so much for being here, as always. Thank you so thank much you. for having us. It was a pleasure. <laughs> And that's our episode for Monday, August 3rd. Join us tomorrow for the Pen Pod. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter. That's where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you tomorrow. <laughs>